Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We call this Amen uh, because... Uh, This is the last reading of the book of Matthew. We've been following the book of Matthew. And some ancient uh, writings actually have uh, the last word that he says in Matthew. He says, amen. Uh, Amen is, when we say amen, what we're saying is this is true. Truth, you know, uh, it means truth. And so whenever we pray or whenever we do anything, whenever uh, uh, Jesus would say amen, he's saying this is is truth. Um, You know, one of the hardest questions, if I were to ask a group of people like this, is what are the, name name the things that you are uh, truly good at, truly gifted and good at. You'd be surprised how many people just really hesitate to answer that question. We, we did this at the 9 o'clock where I, I, I asked the group, and what we got was most people were nudging someone saying, well, you're good at this, you know, this. We want to volunteer a skill of someone else, but it's very hard for us sometimes to actually say, I'm good at this, you know, I, I'm really good at this. And I don't know if that's a, a humble thing, I don't know what, what it is, but I, I have a feeling it's a little bit more than that. I really have a feeling that sometimes we doubt who we are. We doubt the gifts that we have. We doubt that like the song that Will sang, we doubt that we are truly wonderfully made. That's a hard thing for us to look in the mirror and say, today as I am, I am wonderfully made. It's a difficult thing. I've, I've struggled with it before. You know, I, I think that uh, uh, every one of us has. We find that our uniqueness the things about us, our personalities, who we are, is truly a gift. Not only a gift from God to ourselves, but it's a gift to our neighbors of being who we are. And it's one of the things that seems like we struggle with the most. I don't know why that is. It's sad. You know, one time I... When, okay, uh, you, some, some of you know that when I first, um, my first delve into uh, any kind of career, if you could call it that, uh, in the late 80s, I was, I was a stand-up comedian. Uh, and um, my, I went basically from high school to the bars, uh, which, you know, uh, uh, sounds great. But I know it's just it's what I did. I, I did. I did stand-up comedy. And then what that led is that got me into uh, radio, where I was the, the funny guy on radio. My job was basically just to be uh, a smart aleck. Uh, and that was my job. From the, I did the morning show, and from any time that callers would come in, call in or anything, any time that we talked about anything, my job was to say something funny about it. You know? That was it. That was my job. 
uh, I, I created a character called, this is, this is the height of the, uh, uh, the, the, the class of, that I'm talking about here. Uh, I created a clown character called Snots the Inappropriate Clown. And all he did is, the only noise he ever made was that's it. And that was my skill set. That's what I did. That's the only thing that I did. You know, so uh, the, my, my level of sophistication was not really high, you know. Uh, I, I, actually, I actually went for a living. That's what I did. And so, um, like anyone that, I, that I've ever met in radio, nobody lasts in radio. People get fired. People, uh, uh, people will buy the, the station, they'll fire everybody and all that kind of stuff. And most of the people, the colleagues that I have, the, in order to stay in radio, they'd have to move from state to state and all that kind of stuff. Well, I had a, a son. I, I wasn't ready. I didn't want to move, so I was out of a job. At one time, I was... Uh, doing great, and at the next moment, I was, I was out on the street. Well, I wasn't really on the street, but I didn't have a job. And for some reason, I found myself, I answered an ad, and I found myself working for our local television news station, uh, 1011 News, K-O-L-N, K-G-I-N. Uh, I went from uh, the morning guy, the funny guy, to... Uh, a production assistant, which meant what I did is I ran the teleprompter. I just sat there with this little box, and as they were talking, I was just running this teleprompter. That's all I did. If you really want to feel like your life is going nowhere, you're just running this thing, you know? And sometimes you would just get so bored, you'd just try to speed it up so they'd read it faster, you know, and things like that, but it just didn't feel like anything. And there was a news director, I'd worked there for about six months, and there was a news director by the name of, uh, I know, Glenn, Glenn Maybe was his name. And Glenn came up to me once and he said, uh, there is an opening for a producer for our, our, at the time it was the morning news uh, show. And he said, you know, I, I think you could do this. And I thought to myself, on b the basis of what do you think that I can do this? I have, I... I have no experience in news. I have no experience of anything like this. I, I was working with people that had been to college. Uh, I've seen a college, but I've been working with people that have actually walked you know, and taken classes, and their job was to broadcasting and all of this kind of stuff. Remind you, I went, that was it. <laughs> and they, he said, no, I, I think that you can do this. Uh, I want you to... Uh, do, do, a, do a test for me. And I thought, you know, what's he seeing me that I, I'm not seeing? Because I, I think that, you know, at, 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 I finally started to uh, question him. But he said, no, really, just come in. And so I, he came in, I came in, and in his office, he had this, uh, this story that he had, he had kind of written out of just kind of a, a thing that happened. It was written in a, like a paragraph form, and he said, I want you to take this, and I want you to write a news article about this. And that was it. And the only thing that he said before he left was, who, what, when, where. And then he left the room. And so here I am, a comic, writing, looking at this thing, and I just start, I start writing the news. And about, uh, I, I give it to him, and about an hour later, he comes and he says, uh, you start next week. Uh, I knew you could do it. Uh, I showed it to the, the news director. You're hired. 
Uh, and I said, well, what about the other stuff? I mean, you've got to do all of this kind of stuff. You've got to time things. You've got to talk to people. You've got to talk with an assignment editor. You've got to assign stories. If there's a fire overnight, you've got to you know, you, you write that and deal with it and all of this kind of stuff. He said, don't worry. I know you've got the skills that you need, and I'll be with you. Uh, in the first couple weeks, I'll be with you, and, and it'll be fine. you go through it. And he was so confident in me. Uh, confidence that I, I, I just nurtured me throughout. Even when I would make a mistake, he would, uh, he would laugh and say, you know, that, that's okay. We, we had a, uh, uh, a weather guy um, by the name of uh, Ken Shimmick. I think he's, he's actually still, still doing it. Uh, and we used to, I don't know if they still do this or not, but um, for the weather, if it was kind of bad outside, we would put Ken outside. And, you know, it, it, you, I don't know why, you know, you would want to be a weatherman because the worst weather, you want to stick them in it, you know. And so he would be outside of the station with a live camera, and, they would, and he would give the weather like that. Well, the weather was getting so bad it was one of those where it was snowy and icy and all of this kind of stuff. And he said, you know, I said, we're going we're gonna to stick you outside there. And uh, then we realized that the weather was actually so bad that it wasn't safe for anybody to be out there. It wasn't, it wasn't good or anything. And so we started the news show, and we went to Ken in the studio, but I forgot to tell Ken that we weren't doing it. And Ken was locked outside of the building for like 45 minutes because he had to get there and he's waiting for the camera guy and he's banging on the door to try to get out and all of this kind of stuff. And it was a complete disaster. And uh, the only thing that, uh, that Glenn said, he first he thought it was hilarious. Uh, and he said, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll do better next time. This is, this is the way we stumble, we, we learn. And he said, truthfully, it always looks worse behind the scenes than it does on, the, on air. If you can fake it on air, you, they don't know that it's chaos behind the scenes. You'll be fine. And so with him, he gave me confidence to, to use skills that I wasn't really aware that I had. Uh, and a, a while later, I started to do an evening news program, and I did live feeds and all of this kind of stuff. And I, I asked Glenn one time, what made you think that I could even do this? And he said, I knew you could. I knew you. I, I knew that you had communication skills. I knew that you, were, you could write. I, I knew that you had a good uh, instinct. You knew people. Uh, and I knew that just the, the, the mechanics of it, well, that would just come with time, and you'd be able to, to use that. Hi there. How are you? I, I love seeing people that are shorter than me. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often. But I think that, that that is a little bit about what the disciples were feeling when Jesus spoke to them after he had risen. Let's paint the picture here. To them, Jesus was dead. They knew that Jesus, this, this guy that they had followed for three years, they knew that he was something. They knew that he was something more than the, uh, the image of just a, a guy. They knew that something was there. But they saw him or heard about him dying. And they were in hiding at this time. It was the women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, that went to them and said, we saw him, and he wants you to meet you here. 
Now imagine, anybody ever been to a funeral? Imagine you're at a funeral, and three days later, somebody comes up to you and says, he's alive. He wants you to meet him at Denny's. Uh, just, you know, you would have a little bit of doubt, wouldn't you? I love the fact that the Bible actually mentions two things. It mentions that the first people to report to the disciples were women, and it mentions that the 11 disciples had some doubt. Because if you're reporting the truth, you report it just the way it is. If you're reporting something that you want to sway the audience, those are two things you would not mention. First off, you wouldn't mention that women saw Jesus and were the first to report it because women's testimony in the first century were, it was just nothing. Women were not respected. Uh, their, their word was not trusted. And so to say that a woman was the first person to see this and to report it, you're reporting something that already, if you're trying to win the masses over, already they're going to have some doubts. You would also open up a firestorm if you actually said that the disciples themselves doubted what they saw. But as a person that has written some news, I know that if I'm writing the story, uh, I'm just writing the facts. And so I find comfort in the fact that we, we mentioned that there are some issues that uh, are not, they're not propaganda. They're not meant to win people over. But what I want to rest on here is that the disciples had doubts. Now, I like the fact that that's written in there. Because if you saw someone and you thought that they were dead and now he's alive, you're going to say, ah, this is weird. But I wonder what else they doubted. You see, today, we think of our faith as uh, something that leads us to when we die. Uh, we often hear words like saved and things like that. You saved? Jesus loves you? You saved? Uh, you're not saved, I'll pray for you, and all this kind of stuff. But we think of it as something that's going to happen when we're dead. We think that if I believe in Jesus, I go to, I go to heaven, and, right? But what do we do in the meantime? We just wait for that second coming. Was he here yet for crying out loud? Doesn't he see what everything is going on? I've been at this Denny's for three hours here. That might have been what they were doubting. You see, to them... The death of Jesus, now, they were faithful. They knew that Jesus was something more, but it was still confusing to them. It was still something that they didn't fully grasp. And so when Jesus was hung on that cross, many of them were kind of thinking, maybe this faith is over. Maybe what we've done is over. Maybe our mission is over. And Jesus is standing before them and saying, it's only just begun. The message that Jesus was saying is, it's not about just going into heaven. I've taken care of that. It's about you building a message, a mission. It's about you being the ambassadors for this kingdom. People will experience me now through you. And now you've got some work to do. Could that have been where they doubted themselves? Because like us, if we were given a task of this, make disciples, baptize, and teach, Jesus is saying, okay, now it's up to you guys to do this. 
I might doubt that a little bit because I might doubt my ability to do that. I might doubt, you know, I'm just waiting for Jesus to take care of things. I'm waiting for him to do it. But Jesus is saying, no, this is your job. Let them see me through you. This is how they know that the kingdom is here. You're seeing me in the flesh. Everyone else is going to see me through you. And guess what? Disciple means a follower of Jesus. That's it. So it was an 11 at first. Now it's us. If you say you follow Jesus, guess what? You're a disciple, which means this task is now our task. Anyone doubt their ability right now? Does it seem a little overwhelming? How do I, how do I show Christ to the rest of the world? How, how do I teach? How do I disciple? How do I lead people to baptism? How do I do that? This is what makes me think of Glenn. Glenn, to me, was an illustration of maybe what that felt like at a smaller degree. Because Glenn said something that I'll never forget. He said, I know you can do this. I know your skills. And I'll be with you. Christ is not gone. Christ is not somebody that we're sitting there waiting for his return. Christ is with us. And Christ is saying the same thing to us. I know your abilities. I know your skills. Hello. I know you can do this. And I am with you. The hardest thing for us to do, the, sometimes the, the most difficult thing for us to do, as I said in the beginning, is to name what you are good at. But it's imperative, it's imperative to doing the task that we've been asked to do. Can I give you a, a hint? The best thing that you're at, the best thing that you are good at, is being who you are. The best skill that God has given you, the most blessing, blessed skill, the, the most rewarding Thing to yourself and to everybody else is being who you are. These are things that we try to fight. These are things we try to deny. These are things that we try to actually throw at other people. I thank Julian for talking about that this is a church that welcomes everybody because we are a church that welcomes everybody because Christ is a God that welcomes everybody. And Christ is calling us. By this message alone, what Christ is saying is, it's up to you now, and the reason it's up to you is because I'm proud of who you are as you are. Just go out there and be you. Teach by example. Disciple by example. Just be you. You don't have to go out there and preach. You don't have to go out there and do all this kind of stuff. You don't have to go door to door. Just be your honest self and let the world know that there is love in it and that I'm the source of it. Our fear of 
knowing that we are loved as we are, our fear of being, uh, being able to say that we are wonderfully made is the thing that is holding us back from sharing love in this world. And that love is Christ. Love for you, love for your neighbor. You have skills that I don't have. I have skills that you don't have. Each one of us is an individual, and each one of us has things about them that makes them that individual. But yet when those individuals come into a community, we become the body of Christ. And that body of Christ is a message to the rest of the world that God loves us as we are. As we are. Tomorrow, I do hope to be better than I was today. But to know that today I'm loved as I am, for who I am, it's hard to accept, but it's the truth. You are loved as you are, and God is calling you to disciple as you are. Never forget that. You've made this day a special day just by being you, Fred Rogers. Who's going to argue with that? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, to know that we are loved, sometimes that's hard to admit. To know that we are gifted, that's hard to admit. To know that we are called by you to be ambassadors of your love, that's very hard to admit. Help us feel that. Help us realize the truth. Help us know that we, each one of us, is so special, so wonderful. And that you're telling us that every day. Help us hear it. Help us feel it. Help us celebrate it. And then help us go out and see that in our neighbors. We're not here to hate. Help us remember that. In Jesus' name, world, we pray. Amen.